Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Church, here we are. I uh, good morning to you as well. I uh, mentioned in the last service I felt like the lights came up prematurely during the uh, bumper video, and that it made me want to dance, but I did not because I knew my wife would die of shame. But if you'll notice this service, the lights did not come up early, so it was not just my wife worry about me dancing. The back of the booth also has me covered. Thank you guys for looking out for me. Thank you to the worship team. It's uh, it's a sweet joy. To get to preach, it really is. I love the opportunity to do it. I count it as a blessing um, and an honor and a responsibility, all those things. And the fact that we have so many great people uh, behind me that just step up. I don't think you guys, we don't have time to do the math on the collective years of faithfulness of the worship team that we had up here this morning. So that is what we affectionately call the OG crew that we had leading us today. I'm super grateful for them. they're the best, dude. They just handle things. They just do it. I don't have to worry about it. And that's that's a rich, rich blessing. Props to them. Sure. Absolutely. We're continuing in our series, Asking for a Friend, Wise Answers to Tough Questions. No pressure there, right? Today, we're in the topic of honesty and dishonesty, which on the surface, it feels... Okay, let's, let me ask you this way. How many of you know it is better to be honest instead of dishonest? Right? Let's close with prayer. Get out of here. Children's ministry rejoices all at once. That's how it feels. But at the same time, we know that it's much more nuanced than that. That There's a lot more that goes into the discussion about honesty and dishonesty or being honest and being dishonest. And so we're going to try to dive into some of that today. We're going to be looking at a lot of passages uh, in Proverbs. So we're going to get into my first point. And in the spirit of honesty, it's not actually my first point. It's Pastor Jonathan's first point, because after he left for vacation, he sent me three points for today's message, because if he's honest, he didn't think I'd get there on my own. So <laughs> he says not true, but also I'm not denying that it is true. I just, we're going to, we're going to make it there. Honesty is the best policy. That's right. Especially with ourselves. But in any case, We're going to get right into it this morning with reasons. Why do we choose to be honest or dishonest? Because it's a choice, right? We're not typically forced into those things. It's it's a choice that most of us are aware of in the moment when we're making it, whether we're going to be honest or dishonest. And as we jump into some of these Proverbs, we see in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2 says, The Lord approves of those who are good, but he condemns those who plan wickedness. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. And as a quick side note, if you didn't grow up in church like some of us, those three little letters at the end of the reference there, NLT, that just tells you what translation I'm reading from. So if you're reading a Bible along with the ones on the screen and the words don't quite match up, 
You're just using a different translation. If none of the words are even close, you're just in the wrong book, in the wrong chapter, something like that. Okay, that happens to us. Ask me how I know, right? But anyway, so that's just a quick side note for those of you who didn't grow up in church like the rest of us. That's the translation that you'll find that I pulled these verses from. Uh, and then uh, Proverbs 21, 8 says, The way of the guilty is devious, but the conduct of the innocent is upright. Do you think God prefers, after reading these verses, whether you're online following along uh, or he here in this room, do we think that God prefers us to be honest or dishonest? Man, you guys, batting a thousand. If you've not heard me preach before, I'll just remind you, I'll never ask you a trick question. So if it feels easy, it's because it is. So you're welcome, okay? Do you think God prefers honest or dishonest person? We would all say honest. And that's not a, that's not a trick question. Now, how many of us have known in our heart of hearts that God prefers an honest person and then we were dishonest about something anyway? Anybody want to just moans and a few hand raises? I appreciate that. If you weren't paying attention and you just raised your hand because you saw me do it, now you're regretting it, right? Is it fair to say that there are, there's factors involved, right? Or, or motivations behind why we're honest or dishonest. There are things that are behind that that are driving it. Now, some of the factors to be honest or dishonest may be um, to get ahead. Sometimes if you're in a culture that is an honest culture, then being honest is going to help you get ahead, whether that's at work, at home, at school, whatever. Some of us are in dishonest cultures where it's that's how you get ahead at work, or maybe that's how you think is a good idea to, uh, to get ahead at school. Quick side note for any students, it is not how you get ahead for very long. Anyway, someone told me that. I read it in a book or something. Uh, but there are things that we, that we maybe we, uh, we're trying to get ahead in, or maybe there's, we're trying to get out of something. Uh, we're trying to get out of trouble. Children, right? Sometimes adults. We're trying to get out of work. Anybody want to raise your hand? I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. Uh, sometimes we're honest about those things. Sometimes we're dishonest about it. Sometimes we want to get out of uh, awkward situations or just social situations in general. In general, introverts, that was you saying amen in your heart, trying to get out of social situations. I understand. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. When I was in college, I was on staff at, at my first church. I was 19 years old, and I was there to really bless those people with how great I was. And... Uh, <clears throat> So you know how that goes based on that reaction. In any case, they had a, a youth pastor. I was the student and music pastor there. And they had a guy who had served years before me who passed away in a tragic accident. And I was in a meeting that had nothing to do with that, but Brian was his name and he got brought up. And everybody was just talking about how great Brian was. And that was okay for the first few minutes. And then it just kept going on. And then someone, while I'm in the room, in the meeting, said, oh, I just wish we could get another youth pastor like Brian. Boy, wouldn't that just be the best. That would be, and it's just on, it felt like it was an eternity. So I was back at campus. I was venting to a friend of mine uh, about how frustrated I was about this conversation and all these things. And her friend, this, this woman came and she sat down with us and she said, well, you know, Brian really did great things and all this stuff. I said, well, Brian's dead. People need to move on. And so, oh, wait, just, oh, oh, oh. guys, I really wish we were already there at the end of the story. <laughs> I really do. But wait, there's more. She said, I know, I was engaged to Brian when he died. I would have been dishonest to Mother Teresa holding a crying orphan if it would have gotten me out of that social situation that I had created. We, there are so many things that influence it, right? Our uncertainty, we're not sure if we should be honest or dishonest. We're not sure if someone's going to respond. We're not sure how they're going to respond. I was pretty sure in that moment, but anyway... 
there are, whatever the factors are, or whatever the motivations are, I believe the reason that we either choose to honor or to dishonor, to be, uh, excuse me, to be honest or to be dishonest is because we believe our choice will benefit us the most. Even if we be, even if we're good Christian people who love Jesus with all our heart, okay, that's great. We're going to be honest because we believe it's going to benefit us now and benefit us in the long run. But really, it's as we've said already, it's, it's a little more nuanced than that. Whether we choose honesty or dishonesty, whatever the motivations are, whatever the factors are that play into that, we choose to be honest or dishonest based upon what we believe will benefit us the most. And that doesn't always refer to someone being dishonest to get ahead. I'm honest a lot of times because I believe it's going to benefit me most. I was fortunate to be raised that way. Um, so we, we choose that. There's no less than 50 other passages just in Proverbs, like the ones that we read a, a few moments ago. And that doesn't count all the other books that are in the Bible uh, that clearly speak to how living honestly or dishonestly will impact our lives and how God himself, as we read, feels about the choices um, that we make there. But we still don't always make the right choice, do we? Even though we know all these things, even though we have all these verses, we still don't always make that right choice. Why? Why is that? And I think that whatever the factors or the motivations might be, however much we might even just the knowledge, right? We know what we should or we shouldn't choose. We've decided that one of those choices will benefit us. So these Proverbs from the Bible remind us that God condemns the wicked, that he detests lying lips, but that he approves of good and that he delights in the truth. He created us to be honest with him and with each other, but sin would have us to believe and ultimately choose otherwise. Now, as we make our choices, honest or dishonest, whatever they are, there's short-term or long-term consequences, outcomes, results, etc. However you want to look at that, they're going to impact our entire lives, starting with our relationships. Relationships. What impact does honesty versus dishonesty have on our relationships? Hmm, indeed, I agree. Proverbs 12, 18, as we get into some more of these verses here, says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Also, while we were on staff at this first church, uh, it was a small church, about like, I don't know, 50, 75 people, give or take. They were, on, they were in a really bad part of town. Uh, I had a lot of students who couldn't come to some events, it turns out, because their ankle monitor wouldn't reach that far. That was outside of their radius. So that was a great place for me as far as ministering. I, I loved working with them. But in addition to that, it was kind of a strange mix because there was a lot of traditional conservative people in the church. And this kind of murmuring broke out in the background about the fact that the guy leading worship did not wear a shirt and tie when he led worship. Now, I was doing the best I could. I had a button-up shirt and reasonably nice pants for being 19 and in college. Uh, I wore the best tennis shoes that I had, you know, the whatever, whatever was cleanest for that day. But people were upset about it, and I was kind of starting to hear about it. And I remember my daddy came down for a visit with Mama, and we were talking about that. And, man, I was just, I was just having a fit. Uh, a high-speed come apart is what we call it in Tennessee, okay? I was just, I was upset about it. I was worked out all about it, and man, I'm just going, and I'm going, and I'm going. I remember thinking, Daddy, I just don't understand. That's not the Bible. Jesus doesn't care what you dress like or what you look like. None of that stuff matters. I just don't see what the big deal is. And he said, son, if it's not a big deal, buy four shirts, four ties, and tuck it in. So, no, 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 don't amen that. I'm in counseling, Pamela. Anyway, 
Mama, Daddy, I understand sometimes you guys watch. I still love you, Daddy. It was good, right? The, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now, I was being honest, but it was rash. It's like a thrusting of a sword. But the, the truth that my daddy spoke to me was good. And for the record, I did. I bought four, four shirts. Four, well, mama took me shopping. She bought me four shirts, four ties, and two pairs of pants. And I rotated, you know, all through the month. And we, and we, we moved forward. And it was good. And it helped bring some healing to that situation, which is good. Proverbs 15:4, Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. In Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I was serving at our next church, the second place that my wife and I were serving at together, and it was rural with capital R's, okay? It's just one R when you're from the country, rural, okay? Not, not an exaggeration, more cows than people, okay? All directions were north, south, east, west, and anywhere in town was based on its relation to the four-way, which was where the big stop sign was in town. On Monday nights, Pizza Hut would bring a pizza trailer into town, and that line was backed up all the way across the street to the library. It was rural, right? So rural, in fact, that I had to have a meeting with one of our deacons, one of the leaders in the church, and so I met him out on his farm and got into, climbed into his combine, and we had a meeting inside a combine while he was harvesting corn. I know, I, when you see me, you think, that's where Jonas Mackey belongs, right there in a combine in the middle of rural northeast Missouri. But there we were, <clears throat> and at the risk of making myself, myself sound like a turd, I was uh, complaining again. We were dealing with some difficult stuff at that church, and I was just, you know, I saw it one way. When you're younger, uh, everything, a lot of things seem so black and white, you know, so I was having me another high speed come apart. I was having a fit. I was getting worked up about it. I said, you know, if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm not unwilling to be told that. And Richard said, good, because it's my turn to talk now. <laughs> there were no deceitful kisses given, okay? They were faithful wounds of a friend, right? This is when we get into talking about being brutally honest. The wounding that comes from that is, is because you're being faithful as a friend to someone. And scripture is the standard by which you are inflicting those things. And it's better for us in the long run than all the kisses that are deceitful from the enemy. For most of us, who are the people that we have relationships with first in our life? It's our, it's our parents or our family or whoever's, you know, raising us. I understand we weren't all fortunate to be raised by parents, but whoever it is that's, that's guiding you through your, through your upbringing is some of our first relationships in our life. And when it comes to those relationships, especially familial relationships, the ones that we have with our immediate and extended family. It's important because to be honest is to nurture, and to be dishonest is to neglect. And we start having that instilled in us very young. We are nurtured in honest relationships, or we are neglected by dishonest relationships. And our worldview begins to drastically be affected and impacted from that early age in those relationships that we have with one another. Honesty refines relationships. Dishonesty ruins them. If you are a person, you have relationships to some extent. And this statement just rings true for each of us. And unfortunately for most of us, it's the latter half. Dishonesty has ruined some relationships for those of us in this room. Some of us with our family, those relationships that we just talked about. Now, that's not true for everybody I know, but honesty refines our relationships and dishonesty 
ruins them. Refining and ruining are both a process that happens over time. Each time something experiences refining, it comes out a little better and a little more pure than when it started. Okay, we think of typically precious metals like gold or something like that. But the same is true for us as people. When we go through a refining process, we come out a little bit better and a little bit more pure, hopefully, on the other side. And when something experiences ruin, it comes out with a little bit more decay than it had from the neglect when it first went through, whatever that may have been. In Proverbs 29, 27, we read that the righteous detest the dishonest and the wicked detest the upright. Honesty and dishonesty are opposing forces. They are at odds with one another. And so in our relationships, when we're looking at the impact that honesty and dishonesty has on them, if one of us is honest and the other one is dishonest, we are now opposing one another. Our relationship is at odds with itself. Neglect is going to begin to set in and become a difficult thing for us to overcome. If our relationship choices are at odds, then again, it stands to reason that our relationship will also be at odds. So, so what do we do when a relationship is in ruin? Maybe it's not ruined yet. I understand that some relationships, people pass away or they move. We don't always have the opportunity to work through in a full capacity with someone, a ruined relationship. But what do we do when a relationship is not yet gone, but still we find it to be in ruins from dishonesty? We've got to look and we've got to try to find ways for restoration. How do we rebuild trust when we've been dishonest or when someone has been dishonest with us? To be in a relationship of some kind with someone means that each of us has struggled with the dishonest side of this. We've been dishonest and others have been dishonest with us. So, Looking more at the Proverbs again here, we see Proverbs chapter 26, verse 18 and 19. Just as, a damage, just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Some of us have definitely been on the receiving end of that. Proverbs 16, 13. The king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly And classic Russian proverb, not found in our Proverbs of the Bible, is trust but verify, or you can attribute that to Ronald Reagan for those of you who are old enough to even know what a Ronald Reagan is. Okay, that laughter tells me most of you know that it's a who he was, not a what he was, right? No matter which side of the restoration process that we find ourselves on, there's work to be done by both parties involved, and it's going to take time which is really the one thing none of us want. If you've been dishonest, you, want to get, you, you don't want to take the time because it's painful. If you've been the person who was honest and you're trying to deal with this, you just, a lot of us just want to get past it. We don't want to relive the hurt that we experience in that moment. But time is a necessary element. If you're the offending party in the relationship, you have to take ownership of the dishonesty of the offense that's been committed. And the ownership has to be genuine or it's not worth anything. How many of you have ever been on the receiving end of a sibling apology? Boy, talk about genuine ownership, right? Never in the history of sibling apologies 
Has one of them been genuine? If that's not true for you, don't bring it up. You're going to ruin the point I'm trying to make, okay? But for the most part, that's true, right? Sibling apologies, 99% of the time, come in one of two ways. <sighs> I'm sorry. You can just feel it from the heart, can't you? Or if you're the older sibling, this is me being condescending, looking at you, it comes like this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Followed immediately by what? Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. Sometimes you can punch me. You can punch me back. It's okay. You can punch me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's it. That, those are the two sibling apologies that any of us have ever received in our life. <sighs> I'm sorry. It just happened last night at our house. I have no idea why this happened. My children are way too old for this. It could have been because the one parent in the room wasn't paying attention. We don't need to name who that was. He was maybe working hard, getting ready to preach or something. Anyway, one of my kids bit the other child. That's what I said. What? Y'all are way too old for this nonsense. So anyway, I called that child over, the one who, you know, did the biting, and I was very gracious and patient, and I said, move your hands and turn around right now. <laughs> I did not spank that child. It was, I, I, I paused and, you know, took a beat, but afterwards I said, you need to go apologize to your sibling. Sorry, you know. And then the other child said, it's okay. So listen, that not only does the ownership and the apology need to be genuine, but so does the acceptance of that ownership and that apology. If you offer forgiveness, if you say, I understand, or it's okay, or I forgive you, or whatever, and you don't mean that, now we got a whole new set of problems that we got to work through. Someone has done the work and dealing with the shame of being dishonest with you. They've come to you with it. They've offered the ownership. They've been genuine about it. And you, out of pressure or whatever reason, you disingenuinely accept. And now one of you is ready to move on. And the other one of you is still stuck. We have to be genuine in the acceptance of someone else's ownership of the wrongs that they have also committed against us. When the ownership and the apology is not genuinely offered, though, it can't be genuinely accepted. The ownership might take some time. It, might, it usually takes longer than we want for people to come and apologize to us, especially if you are pretty sure you're the one who was right. I am a lot of things in life, and confident about being right is one of them, even when I'm wrong, right? So it may take time for that to set in or for that conviction to grip our heart. But even if that happens before the other person is ready, we need to also understand as the offending party, that person may want to forgive you. They may be moving in that direction. They're just not there yet. It depends on the offense, really. Depending on how egregious the dishonesty and the broken trust is between us, it's going to impact how quickly I'm ready to forgive you, even when I really want to. If, I'm dis if I do it too soon and I'm dishonest about it, now I'm trying to shove down feelings that are okay to have, but I can't, they're dismissed because I've said something's okay when it wasn't. So we need to find ourselves not just honest in our ownership and our offering of an apology, but honest in recognizing that in someone else when we accept it. There's a great quote from uh, Stephen Napier. He's one of our missionaries. He spoke over the weekend of Echo, which is like 30 days long. So that feels way longer than a weekend to me. But it struck me right away when he said it, and that was this, extend the grace to others that you long to receive. Which is great if you're the offending party, right? That's right. Extend me the grace that you long to receive, right? But when someone has offended us, when they've been dishonest with us, when they've broken that trust, 
it's harder. But that's, that's the goal. Jesus sets that example for us perfectly. And not out of a way of shaming or making us feel guilty, but what we need to remember in these moments of dishonesty in our relationships is that we have been dishonest with Christ in our relationship to him. We have told him, for those of us who, who are Christians, we've said to Jesus that I love you. Lord, I want to worship you. We've lifted our hands. We've done all these things after we have been dishonest and broken trust with him time and time and time again. And yet we are so desperate for the grace that we hope that he extends to us. So we have to remember that, right? We need to extend the grace, not only that we long to receive, but if we know that we have received already from Christ. Now, once this first part has been established, this ownership piece, if you will, we think back to Proverbs 16.3. We just read it a few moments ago, and we begin to speak honestly with one another because there's already been some dishonesty. So now we're trying to move past that rather and work through it. We've already mentioned that the concept of honesty and dishonesty is simple, but as my wise friend Rob Schwab once said, that's his real name. That is not a made-up character. Uh, just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy. I feel like you could really sum up the Christian life. It's pretty simple. Love Jesus, right? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty simple. It's not very easy to do that, is it? Just because these concepts that we're talking about this morning are simple doesn't mean that they're going to be easy for us. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, he says, Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. To speak the truth and to speak it in love is a sign of maturity. It demonstrates growth in multiple aspects for us, and it makes us more like Jesus. Speaking the truth in love is a difficult thing because it doesn't always look the way you think it will. If you think about Jesus, who was always honest, and you think about what he said and how he said some of those things, they weren't all this, they weren't all like sweet, compassionate, all the baby children sitting on Jesus' lap. You know, it's not that picture. It's him having hard conversations with people. It's him looking at a great friend like Peter and saying, get behind me, Satan, because he was misunderstanding what he was saying in the moment, right? There are hard conversations that we can have, but we can still speak the truth in love. The words of a friend can wound, but if it's in love, if it's based on scripture and it's, it's for the health of our relationship and the sake of the gospel in our lives, then we can still speak those truths, however hard they may need to be in love. So, all of that being said, though, someone who's been dishonest with us can't just start being honest and reasonably expect us to just take their word for it, right? Hence our Russian proverb, if you will, which is trust but verify. At our house, if we think that we smell a little dishonesty, we say it this way, prove it. Someone makes a statement and then we say, well, prove it. Or I will, for example, apologize to my wife for something and she says to me, kind of tongue in cheek, she says, sorry means you won't do it anymore. So then I say, never mind, I'm not sorry. Because it's normally about silly things, to be clear. It's not like when we're actually fighting. I value my life. I know way better than to say something like that in the middle of an argument with my wife. God bless her. Pray for her daily. There, 
There's an entire history, this, this, this trust but verify, there's an entire history regarding the Cold War. Uh, if you're at home online, you can look all that up in the middle of this if you want. The rest of you who are stuck in the room, it went on for a long time, but it was most, most uh, prominent, I guess, during the Reagan administration, at least for those of us who were born during that, which is 81 to 89. My millennials, y'all here today? Woo, that's what I'm talking Oh, I see a hand in the back. Come on, testify. Millennials, bless us. We're doing the best we can, okay? Anyway... He became famous for quoting this Russian proverb, trust but verify. At one point, this is when he's dealing with the Soviet Union. And to be clear, it's not like we're trying to trust each other about being friends. It's about nuclear disarmament, okay? So when we say trust but verify, it's a little bit different. Like, are you going to hurt my feelings again? It's more like, well, are you going to push the button? Because I'm, I'm going to push my button. If you push, you know, it's, it's an intense thing that he was dealing with. It became such a popular thing, but it was almost a way of diffusing the fact that we had to verify some things in our relationships with other countries to be sure that someone who maybe had we had some dishonesty issues on both sides with before, that we were actually working towards something to be more honest with one another. Both parties have to take the time and make the effort, and the offender, whoever creates the offense, must understand and accept the need for the person who is offended. We, we got to understand that they need... It has to be verified. We need to see it proven. That's a right that we have. And it's not a right that we have to be mean and hold it over you. But if you've offended someone, if you've been dishonest, you've got to understand that it's going to take some time to demonstrate that, to, that you have grown in things. So if you uh, grew up in church, you are familiar with uh, the Apostle Peter and his denial of Jesus. Um, Jesus and Peter were pretty good friends out of Jesus' main 12 disciples. Peter is kind of in this inner group of three, um, just to kind of lay that background for you, I guess. And at some point, Jesus is talking about when he's going to be crucified and all this stuff. And he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, absolutely not. I would never deny that. And there are many verses in their relationship that we see in Scripture that really seem to, I mean, I agree with Peter. You know, Jesus asked at some point, are you guys all going to turn away from me too? And Peter says, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So their relationship is strong, and Jesus tells us to Peter, Peter's not believing it. In fact, when they come to arrest Jesus in the garden, Peter draws a sword and cuts a dude's ear off. I'm not going to do that for somebody that I'm going to deny having a relationship, right? So the, the setup is really indicating that there's no way that Peter would ever do this. And yet, later Jesus is arrested, he's on trial, and Peter's confronted, kind of almost as being accused of a co-conspirator, if you will. And they ask him, do you know Jesus? And Peter denies it. He says no. And they ask him two more times. And each time, he ups the ante in his level, his passion of denying the fact that he knows Jesus. And as we read all four of the Gospels, we get an understanding that the picture is that this is happening where Jesus can see and hear it. That Peter has denied him three times. Now, I don't, I don't know that guy. To the point where he just absolutely is yelling about refusing to know Jesus. Later, Jesus is crucified. He's buried. He's resurrected. He appears to several people, including the disciples at this point. And eventually, he finds out, Jesus does, that the disciples, some of them, have gone back to fishing instead of the mission that he's given them all these years that he's been training them as disciples and what he wanted them to do. And so Jesus goes to the shore where the guys are fishing. They've been fishing all night. This is what they do for a living. They've gone back to it. They've caught nothing. 
Now, if you think you're familiar with the story, it's because this story has actually already happened. They catch nothing all night. That's already happened once. Peter's already been through this. So Jesus is on the shore. He knows they've caught nothing. He tells them, cast your nets on the other side. They do, and as soon as they realize the nets are full of fish, Peter remembers the last time this happened, and he jumps out in his underwear, in the water, swims to shore where Jesus is. Because he knew who it was and what was going on. And then they have this interaction where Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? which is an interesting number choice for him to ask that. And after the third time, Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, after each time, he says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. That's what Jesus says to Peter in that moment. That's the last chapter in the book of John, chapter 21. Then we go into chapter one of Acts where Jesus ascends. He goes into heaven. The Holy Spirit descends. And before chapter two is over, Peter has, Peter has gotten up full of the Holy Spirit. He preaches and 3,000 people are saved and the early church is born. Do not underestimate the power of forgiveness and restoration and relationships that have been broken by dishonesty. It changed Peter's life. It changed my life. We sang this morning that at the mention of your name, every chain will break. We sang before that, bring all your failures, bring all your addictions, lay them down at the foot of the cross. And in that moment, I thought, even if you brought those and laid them down and you picked them back up again, you can bring them again, lay them down again. Jesus, he's there for that. He's there for that. He wants to work through restoration with us. Church, would you stand with me? To be honest or to be dishonest is a choice that we're gonna make approximately one billion times in our life. That's the rough number on that. I'm not really good at math. But the choice, the choices that we make will 100% have an impact on our relationships one way or another. And as painful as it might be, the rewards of restored relationships will always be healing for people on both sides of that relationship. So this morning, our prayer teams are gonna come. Ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit to help you evaluate your level of honesty and dishonesty in your life, whether it's with yourself, with your family, your friends, the people you work with, the people that you work for. Ask Him to help you evaluate things between you and Him. All right, we've already covered and we, we pretty generally agreed that we know we've been dishonest with the Lord at some point in our life, if not right now, and we've got things that we need to get right with him. Ask him to help you evaluate those things. And wherever you find brokenness from dishonesty, ask him for the strength and for the guidance to restore and nurture what has been ruined and neglected so that true healing can begin. So church, as we go into the rest of this week and those choices are going to be presented to us, I'm not just encouraging you to make the honest choice. I'm encouraging you to evaluate everything that's involved behind making that choice and all the people in the relationships that you have and how that's going to influence it. And when we're dishonest, just own it. Between you and them, between you and the Lord, whatever it is, just be honest and own it and begin that process of restoration. It is always a rich, rich blessing to be up here and a privilege to share with you guys. I really do love it. We really do love our church home here more than we could ever express to you. It's, a, it's an awesome privilege to be with you guys. Um, if you filled out a guest card, turn that in. Don't forget, we've got Ascent tonight at 5 p.m. If you want to know more about what it's like to be a, a, a partner and participate with us here at Church in the Rock on a serve team, 
or whatever, come. Come and be a part. This is the night you can ask all the questions you want to ask. We're going to have a good time. I love it. I absolutely love Ascent. So come be a part of that tonight, 5 p.m. Church, God bless you. God be with you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.